Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message impacts you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us. We hope you enjoy this message. Church, before we sit down, I just feel this morning that um, there's a bit of stuckness. Is stuckness a word? I'm going to make it up as a word. I feel there's a bit of stuckness. In the next two weeks, next week's Father's Day, and the week after that, we're going to be starting a series that we're going to call The Jesus Agenda. What did Jesus do? If you're old enough, if you're a 90s kind of kid, you will remember those sort of uh, bracelet-type things that had WWYD, what would Jesus do? Well, we want to do a series that says, what did Jesus do? And as I was downloading to our team, I kind of download to our, our creative team and to our communicators, and I sort of shared with them, and I said, well, th- I, I just want I want us to experience what did Jesus do? We can read about it in here, but sometimes as we read about it in here, we kind of forget about it. And my heart and my passion is that when we move into this next series, what did Jesus do? that we start becoming unstuck. Because if we've got stuckness in us, we have to become unstuck. That we kind of start moving a step forward. That we kind of start going, you know what? I've been stuck doing this for a long time. I've been stuck just ticking off coming to church for a long time. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus was about miracles. Jesus was about a move. Jesus was about healing. Jesus was about preaching. Jesus was about teaching. Jesus was about seeing us become unstuck. I did actually share with our creative team. I said to them, how cool will it be if we can get Jesus here as a guest speaker? Campbell, our social media guy, I saw his eyes fall out of his head. He's going, how do I promote that? Jesus live at C3. I also saw our accounts team look up from their calculators and they're going, how are we going to pay for that? Okay, we're not getting Jesus as a live guest speaker. But Christ is in the house every single week. And he desires for us to be unstuck. When he ascended, the Holy Spirit descended. And he said, I am with you. Actually, what descends will take you further than I ever did. And so I'm just really praying that over these next six weeks or so, we're going to go as long as we need to with it. Over these next six weeks or so, the Jesus agenda, what did Jesus do? That each one of us here start becoming unstuck. Start becoming unstuck. That in our lives, we start experiencing healing. It might be something that's, it might be a healing from an addiction. It might be a healing from a brokenness in our lives. It might be a physical healing. That we start understanding that Christ is the Christ of miracles. What did Jesus do? Jesus set us free. Jesus set us free in order that we don't need to be stuck anymore. 
No more stuckness. No more stuckness. We're going to move forward at the end of 2018 with no more stuckness. Not just in a city here, right across our city, that there is going to be no more stuckness. Stuckness is no word that longer. Stuckness is getting removed from the dictionary. Stuckness was never in the dictionary, but stuckness is getting removed from the dictionary. Why? Because what did Jesus do? Jesus set us free. Jesus set us free. Can I tell you something that would happen if Jesus was guest speaker here? Firstly, I wouldn't service lead because I'd do a really miserable job because I'd be so nervous. And do you know what? He would draw an incredible crowd. I reckon on that Sunday morning when Cam puts out all the social media that he would draw an amazing crowd, wouldn't he? For everyone who's a five past ten church person, nobody in this church, other churches that happens, I don't reckon you would get in the front doors. I reckon we'd have the police telling us off because we've blocked up every street around this place. I reckon that there would be standing room only in here. I reckon there would be standing room only. And I reckon we could put giant screens outside and even then you wouldn't even be able to see them. Because Jesus is in the, is in the, the job of setting us free. I'm going to speak this morning on the crowd of one. The crowd of one. Because every one person sitting here matters to Jesus. We don't do church for the crowd. We do church for the one. We walk the journey with every person. We have a saying that I, I, I'll say it at our, our leaders' meetings that the success of C3 Hobart will not be by the numbers we draw, but by the way we walk the journey with people. And that means the one, the one who is stuck, the one who's just trying to get out, the one who maybe has done 40 years of the same thing. There's no more stuckness. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask if you're comfortable with it, that you just raise your hands in affirmation as we pray into this. That over these next few months, right now, if you're comfortable, raise your hands. And there's just going to be this affirmation that comes. That we're saying that there is no more stuckness in our community, in our neighbours. Heavenly Father, we pray. We pray, Lord God that there is crowds drawn because we matter for the one. Lord God, that those who are stuck, Heavenly Father, you're in the job of unstucking. Lord God, I pray as we do this, this new series of what did Jesus do, that we will see miracles, that we will see healing, that we will see broken bits removed, Lord God, that we will see shackles removed, that we will see hearts open, that we will hear, have ears that will hear, Lord God, that we will see what exactly did Jesus do. Jesus set us free. Jesus set us free. And we will give you all the praise and all the glory in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you take a seat? Fantastic. Thank you, worship team. Fantastic. And thank you, Jose, who was trying to get me on camera while I was down there. Completely off script. How did he go? Did it actually work? Could he see me? Well done, Jose. Hey, 
I want you to turn around and say a big thank you to our technical team down the back there. What an incredible job they do. There are so many teams within our church that uh, you don't see what they do, and they do an incredible job. I talked about in our, our accounts team. I talked about our accounts team who would freak out if I said we need to do a, a payment for Jesus who's coming to guest speak. Each and every week, we have a beautiful team upstairs in our business services team who make sure that this place functions day and night. We are a complex church with playgroups and cafes and events and, and everyday things that happen. And so I just want you, if you're in here during the week one time grabbing a coffee, drop upstairs and just say thank you to a beautiful team of people up there who make this place run each and every week. On April the 25th, 1995, I was living in Melbourne, about to embark on a new life in Sydney. It was a Tuesday afternoon and for the first time in the AFL was going to play a football game on Anzac Day. It was early in the season, in fact it was round four. Two fierce rivals, Essendon and Collingwood, were going to go head to head. To be totally honest with you, it had not received much publicity. It was the first time they were going to do it. There was actually talk that it risked being a complete non-event. You don't play football on a Tuesday. You don't play football on Anzac Day. How disrespectful is that? It was round four. Essendon had won the first three rounds. Collingwood had won donuts. Which didn't add to the publicity of the game. Being Anzac Day and upholding traditions, the AFL agreed with the Return Service League that the game wouldn't start until about 30 minutes after normally and that they would do quite a lot of uh, tradition and function uh, celebrating our diggers. I convinced my sister to join me because I said you can have a sleep in and we did our traditional trip which you do in Melbourne as we jumped on a train, headed in, jumped off the train and started walking in towards the mighty MCG. The mighty MCG holds roughly 100,000 people. We caught the train in, there was nothing abnormal, started walking from the train station to the ground. It was kind of busy but nothing really abnormal. What we encountered was described in the daily paper the next day as an avalanche of people so substantial that it looked like someone had forgotten to unlock the gates. It looked like someone had forgotten to tell the staff of the MCG that we're playing a football game on a Tuesday because there were so many people standing outside of the ground. Well, the gates had been opened. The gates had been open for about two hours and in fact nearly 100,000 people were crammed inside the ground. My sister and I were standing outside the ground along with an estimated 20,000 other people. The great Mike Sheehan wrote in the paper the next day, this was a crowd that went beyond being football followers to a movement entranced by the novelty following the intrigue. The scripture we're going to read today comes from the Gospel of Mark 
and there is intrigue and there's novelty around this scripture. We're going to focus a lot on the Gospel of Mark coming into what did Jesus do because John Mark, or, or Mark as he was known in this, was kind of a, he was kind of a dude who wrote stuff about just making it happen. He wrote about what, what just happened with Jesus. Mark chapter 2. If you've got your Bibles, it'll be up on the screens as well. Mark chapter 2. Wow, I have had a haircut. Mark chapter 2, verse 1 to 2. I've got a nasty scar on there somewhere too. Somewhere there. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed, everyone say so packed. It was so packed, like the MCG, it was so packed with visitors that there was no room even outside the door. It was so packed that there was no room even outside the door. If we go back a chapter, back to chapter 1 in Mark, Jesus was at the beginning of his ministry. It was fairly early on in his time. And he had been focusing around the, the, the Capernaum and the Galilean region. Um, and he was teaching with passion. He was leading with integrity. Our politicians could have a look at this. He was healing with power. And so what happens when something like this happens? When you've got a leader who's leading with integrity, he's teaching with passion and, and he's healing with power, is he's going to draw that novelty. He's going to draw that, that sort of, that, you know, I've got to go and see what this guy's doing. Who is this guy? Who's this guy who's human, walking the earth? He's now in Peter's house. They, the, the scholars believe it was Peter's house in Capernaum. Who is this guy? I've got to go and see what this is. I've got to go in and see what the novelty factor, the intrigue of who this Jesus guy is. It's, it's interesting to note in the first, cap, uh, cap, first chapter of Mark, three times it says that the crowd, the crowd watched Jesus in utter amazement and hungered for more. As we pray for our series coming up, and I just spoke about what did Jesus do. My desire is to see that we hunger for more. That we hear the word of God. That we're in the word of God. That we're praying. That we're fellowshipping. That in our connect groups, that they're full because we desire and hunger for more. I was joking that uh, next month we're inviting Jesus to preach. We're not. Well, he's welcome. But I'm not joking about the fact that Christ is present with us. Christ is here. It's kind of a little bit awkward, but he's sitting next to you. Christ is present. We invite Christ and Christ is present. In the time I have left today, I want to focus not so much on what happened inside because it's an incredible story, but I want to focus on what happened outside those doors. Because remember, we just read that it was so packed inside that there was no more room even outside of the doors. Verse, or it's the end of verse 2. 
If you can put that scripture back up, thanks, Zach. Uh, soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door while he was preaching this is Jesus God's word to them four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat he probably had palsy one of the challenges of doing something like equip week that we've just finished is that we run the risk of creating an inside culture we run the risk of having an attitude where we crave the crowd and we forget the individual. As a leadership team, we were very cognizant of the fact of making sure that we didn't seek the miracle more than living out the everyday message. We were very cognizant with our teams to talk about the fact that we that we don't stand on the pomp and ceremony of religion and forget about relationship. Because the events themselves were brilliant. We saw many lives changed, not just those who made first-time salvations, but hundreds and hundreds of lives were equipped and changed. And it's so important that on a Monday and a Tuesday that we're having coffee, that we're fellowshipping, that we're living life and walking the journey with people when the devil wants to get in after a Sunday like last Sunday and say, no, no, it was all a big joke. Go back to the stuckness. And so we were really important for us that we said, no, there is no stuckness. We're here to walk the journey. I don't for one minute regret doing Equip Week. In fact, we celebrated 21 lives. Last Monday, we celebrated 21 lives. We celebrated the hundreds of people who were equipped. And we also made sure that we were ready for the crowd of one. The crowd of one might be the person who didn't raise their hand. The crowd of one might have been one of the 400 youth that were here on last Friday night and 45 went forward. But it might have been the one, might have been the 16-year-old girl who's struggling at school, who was struggling for social acceptance in front of her friends. And so for her to raise her hand is a big thing. That's the crowd of one. The crowd of one might have been someone who was here last Sunday morning when Pastor Nat spoke. And they were here because they kind of just felt they had to be here. And something was happening inside. But, but they, you weren't quite ready what it was. And then you started thinking of all the things that are stuck in your life. All the things that are broken in your life. All those shackles that are in your life. That's the crowd of one. This is a very real journey for me, understanding the crowd of one. Because I based my career as a paramedic on the, on the philosophies of utilitarianism, which promote the theory of, of we are to do the greatest good for the greatest number. I actually wrote this for the ACT Ambulance Service about nine years ago. I wrote this policy. This is the policy we do in all ambulance services. We look after in, in, in mass casualty incidents the greatest good for the greatest number. 
Thankfully, our God has a different philosophy to thinkers like Bentham or Mills. In fact, we're reminded in Matthew chapter 8 where it says, not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Our God is a God that cares for the crowd of one. Heading back to the scripture, let's refer to the four men carrying their buddy as some guys. That's what we're going to call them, some guys. The some guys have heard that Jesus is back in town. They're pumped. They're ready to go. It's like me jumping on the train, ready to go into the Anzac Day football game. Got the scarf, had, had the sandwiches that mum made for me. I didn't tell her that I always used to go in and buy a 4 and 20 pie, but mum, you're not listening to it, so it's okay. She packed sandwiches for me every time I went. These four, the some guys, are pumped. They're going to see Jesus. Jesus has been healing. Jesus has been setting things free. Jesus has been getting people unstuck. These four guys, I can just imagine them living on the other side of town to where Peter lived, one of them, because in, when you have four guys... For all the guys here, there's always have the different sorts. There's one guy who's the organiser. He was looking after Google Maps, seeing how, what's the quickest route, how long it's going to take to get there. There was another guy who was making sure, that, uh, making sure that they had their provisions ready to go and they were looking good and everything was going to be there. There was one guy who was a bit nervous because he had so much other things that he had to do. He's kind of like, oh, I don't want to go and see Jesus. I'm so busy. And then there was one guy who was saying... Don't worry about it. There's always one guy in the group going, don't worry about it. The casual guy. These some guys, the four of them. But one of the challenges that came for these some guys, I don't know whether it was one of them. I don't know whether it was two. I don't know whether it was three. I don't know whether it was all four of them. But these some guys all of a sudden remembered about one guy. The guy laying on a mat. One guy. Where's Daniel? I saw young Daniel before. Here he is. Come up here, Daniel. The cameras will not grab him at all. Actually, come up here, mate. This is one guy. Your job for the next part of my preach is to lay on the ground. Enjoy. <laughs> right there. Why? Because the one guy was paralysed. The one guy probably had palsy. The one guy couldn't lift his arms. That was kind of fun. <laughs> couldn't lift his arms and couldn't lift his legs. The one guy couldn't get to see Jesus by himself. The one guy couldn't do it. So the four guys, we're calling them some guys, remember? The four guys are going, okay, well, what are we going to do about the one guy? Now, one of the guys would have said, well, we'll order the disabled taxi. That's what happens with guys. One of the other guys would have said, well, I've just been to the gym and I've been pumping out and so I'm not lifting him because he's a heavy dude. One of the other guys would have said, well, well we're going to be late now because Google Maps doesn't have one that says carrying one guy. And then the fourth guy, remember that fourth guy, he would have just said, don't worry about it. But the some guys, 
decided, no, we're not going to leave the one guy. We're not going to miss the crowd of one. You know, the crowd of one, thankfully Daniel's not, but the crowd of one wasn't even a Jesus follower. He had no faith. The scriptures tell us a little bit later on that the crowd of one didn't have a faith. In fact, we read in the passage that, that he, he has lived his life on a mat. He's never seen Jesus. Jesus wasn't the guest speaker there. In his mind, he's probably going, I'm just going to lay here on my mat. How is it down there? Hard. That's what it would have been for the one guy. Every day. You got a long time to go, man. Every day. For the one guy just laying there on the mat. One day after day after day just laying on the mat. I'm convinced that the best way that we can love those outside of Jesus is to get them to Jesus. I'm going to say that again. I am convinced that the best way for us to love those outside of Jesus is to get them to Jesus. However we can. Craig Grishel has a culture statement in their church that says, we will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. That's a challenge I give myself. We will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. I am passionate about engaging the same mentality as some guys. Why? Because our love encourages. God's love saves. Our love helps. His love transforms. Our love can make their life a little bit better in this world. Jesus' love opens the door for them to live in the world to come. Verse 4. You doing okay, Daniel? One guy every day. I could say to him, yeah, yeah, we'll prove the point, get up and go back. Every day he laid there. Every day he laid there. Verse 4. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole above his roof. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Can you imagine the scene inside the house as Jesus is preaching? The sound of digging is heard overhead. Dirt and wood begun falling on the crowd. Interruption. Church, we need to be interrupting what the world is doing. We need to get stuck, get unstuck from what the normal is. Now, this would have been abnormal. Those four guys, remember, they're all different people. One of them would have been sitting there going, man, I've got like hands in an account and I can't dig. One of them would have been going, flex the biceps as I do this. Sun's out, gun's out. One of them would have been going, oh man, I hope Peter's got house insurance. And the fourth one would have been, don't worry about it. But can you imagine the crowd inside? The crowd inside, they're happy. They got there. They're hearing Jesus. They're, they're, they're thinking of this. They didn't think about the one. They're thinking about, yeah, I'm inside. The four guys, we never know the name of the four guys. 
You may serve in a ministry and no one will ever know your name. We never know the name of the four guys. Do you know why we call them some guys? Because the Bible calls them some guys. Four guys, some guys. Do we know the names of the beautiful people who have set up our coffee out there today? No, but we know our visitors will be well looked after. Some guys, nameless guys, thought about the crowd of one instead of themselves. And they went above and beyond. They had that mentality of that we will do anything short of sin in order that the crowd of one gets to see Jesus Christ. Because what happened when the crowd of one was lowered down from a roof? Middle Eastern homes have quite tall roofs, obviously, to try and keep the heat up there, up at the top. When he was lowered down by those four guys, there was no OH&S issues happening here. When this one guy who could not move, had never moved, couldn't even raise his hand. Sorry. When the one guy, the crowd of one, was lowered down, when he was brought to Jesus by the crowd of four, some guys, a miracle happened. A miracle happened. Because what happened is it not, he wasn't just healed for a start. Because that's kind of like, be healed, get up. Not yet. When he came down, what's the first things that Jesus said to him? Their faith, because of their faith, because of the faith of the four, because of the faith of some guys who were prepared to step out and think of the crowd of one. Because of their faith, because of their faith, because of your faith, because of what you will do, because of how you will minister to your people, his sins were forgiven. His sins, yeah, that's a clap. His sins were forgiven. His sins were forgiven because of the faith of some guys who went above and beyond and didn't leave him. I reckon it was four guys by themselves, even though they said there was no room to get inside. Most blokes can tend to get inside. They would have bustled past. These guys had to break open a roof, lower down, and make sure that the one got close to Jesus. What are we doing? Are we those some guys? Are we going above and beyond to make sure that the crowd of one gets close to Jesus? We've been equipped over the last two weeks. We've been taught into. What beautiful leaders are are serving us so well. What are we doing? Are we those some guys who are prepared to go above and beyond to do something a little bit different, to interrupt the norm, thanks Steve, to interrupt the norm in order that the crowd of one may be forgiven? Because of their faith, because of their faith, the crowd of one was forgiven. And then luckily for you, Daniel, Christ also healed. He said, get up. He said, get up, take your mat, you've got your mat, jump off the stage, jump off the stage, (laughs) go home and share what I have done for you and share what I have done for you. 
I love the fact that some guys dared to do what was difficult. I love the fact that some guys dared to do the unusual. I love the fact that some guys dared to do the costly. I love the fact that some guys were willing to do whatever it took to get their friend in the company of Jesus. My challenge this morning, as I point all fingers at myself, what are we doing? Every morning when I wake up, my prayer is, God, give me an opportunity that I will find the crowd of one and that they will come into the presence of Christ. I'm just some guy. I'm nameless. I'm just some guy. I'm the accidental pastor. Two years ago, I was never preaching. Certainly wasn't leading a church. I'm just some guy. Every morning, my prayer to myself, show me the crowd of one. Show me the crowd of one. Who's your crowd of one? Who's your crowd of one? I'm going to ask you to do something. In the middle of a preach, I'm going to ask you to pull out your phone. If you haven't got a phone, pull out a pen, piece of paper. Write on the back of an offering envelope, do whatever you want to do. I'm not organized for this because I've only just believed this is what God wants us to do right now. Grab your phone, go to your notes section, wherever. Maybe it's a message. Maybe it's an offering envelope that you have and you need a pen. Do we have any pens at the back? Lizzie, sorry. If you need a pen, just put up your hand. We'll try and find one. Sorry, I'm completely unscripted for these guys here. We have some pens. If you need a pen, just put up your hand and we'll try and get some around to you. Because what I want you to do right now, I'm going to get these guys to just lead us in worship. And I'm going to ask you on your device, on the back of an offering envelope, you can write it on your forehead if you want to. The name of the crowd of one that instantly has come to your mind. The name of the crowd of one where in the past you might have stood over them. You might have taken a different route to make sure that, yeah, I'll just leave them there. But as I've spoken this morning, God has placed the crowd of one on your heart. God has placed the crowd of one, one person. You may have many. Where you're going to this week, as you write that name in your phone, as you write it on a piece of paper, as you print it on your hand, whatever you do this week, as you write that name, that you're going to commit you're going to commit to speaking out and saying, God, give me the opportunity to speak life into the crowd of one and bring them into the presence of Jesus.
Now, you may not be able to get them here to church next Sunday. But when you start praying, God hears and God knows. And He does the work, not you. He just wants us to be available and obedient. He wants us to grab that one and say, do you know what? I'm not just going to write it in my phone. When I go home, I'm going to pray for that person. I'm going to text that person. I maybe will go and get them. I'm going to do something because I'm no longer going to walk over the crowd of one. I'm going to be some guy. I'm going to be some guy. I'm going to be a nameless person that is prepared to stand up to at whatever cost. I'm prepared to do it, whatever it may be. It may be unusual. It may not fit in your busy work schedule. It may not fit into what you need to do. But you know what? Because of four guys, because of four guys, because they carried one, they didn't get inside. Well, not the traditional way. They didn't get inside, but absolutely they got inside because they got the crowd of one inside and the crowd of one's sins were forgiven. I'm going to ask us to stand. I'm not going to prolong this at all. But there may be some who are here this morning and that crowd of one is you. Maybe as you went to write down somebody else's name, you actually thought to yourself, I wish four nameless people would help me. You mightn't be paralyzed. Well, physically, you may not be. Physically, you may be up and about. Physically, you may be blossoming in workplace or in school. You may be blossoming in whatever you're doing. But one of the things that's said about the crowd of one is that he could not even lift his hand. And I believe that there is some here this morning where you are paralyzed by the stuckness of life and you just desire to say, no, God, I come before you. I come before you. I raise my hand because what it said in there is because of the faith of others, because of the faith of others. Do you know what, young adults? There is your parents have been praying for you for years. Do you know what? The, the, the family member that you've come along with have been praying for you for years. Joe VG, where's, is, is Mark next to you? Where are you guys? Joe VG, it must be 10 years you prayed for your brother who gave his life to Christ during an Alpha course about eight weeks ago. The faith of others saw him saved because some guys, some ladies, have been praying faithfully and were prepared to pray for the crowd of one, prepared to do things differently. We have a life that has been transformed. I go to the same gym as Mark. He sits on a bike and he beats me every time. And the light of Christ shines through this guy. Why? Because of the faith of others. So if that crowd of one was you, 
that crowd of one was you. We're going to sing this song now. I'm going to encourage you just to come down the front here. The crowd of one is you. The crowd of one is you. Your parents have been praying for you. Your family has been praying for you. You have a church that is praying for you. There is some guys around you that is praying for you. I want to encourage you to take a step. I want you to encourage to take a step. Just come forward now. I'd love to pray with you. Who wants to join this guy? There's a celebration in heaven. This is a, not a condemnation and judgment time. This is not a time when we go, oh, they're coming forward. They must be broken, busted people. Guess what? We're all broken, busted people. This is a miracle moment. This is a miracle moment where there is physical saving and there is spiritual saving happening here. There is a physical saving. Who wants to join these people right now? Your heart might be going flat out. If your heart's going flat out now, I want to encourage you. Step forward, step forward, join these people and say, you know what, I'm going to raise my hand because of the faith of others, I will be saved. I will be saved. Who's going to join these three? 15 more seconds. If God is speaking to you now, do not put it off another time. Do not put it off another time. Tonight we are celebrating seven baptisms, seven baptisms. I'm going to finish in just 30 seconds. You may have been lowered through the roof before. But kind of when you got lowered through the roof, you felt like you got dropped. You gave your life to God and you kind of felt like as you were lowered down, the some guys took off. You kind of felt like that those some guys who, who were hanging around you and were there at the start, maybe you got offence from them. Maybe you suffered offence from the church. Maybe you suffered offence because the four guys that were around you are no longer there. Can I just encourage you? It is time to break that shackle right now. It's time to become unstuck right now. It's time to step into the new of what God has for here right now. So if that's you, I want you to join these three here. We're going to pray with these three. If that's you, I want you to join right now. The worship team are going to do it and then we're going to close the service. But if that's you, if you felt like that you've been lowered down, but it kind of didn't work out and you want to say, no, God, I'm all yours. Then I want to encourage you to just join us on the front here. Thank you for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message has impacted you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us at c3hobart.org.au.